In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first in-class patient education and services, including financial support, clinical trial navigation, and step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. That's right. It doesn't matter. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill, 61 floors, 1,762 steps. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. You can register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome to Game Notes, your Utah Jazz podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. That's Tony Jones. By the way, if you're a subscriber to the Athletic, which why wouldn't you be? You've got to be a subscriber. You can comment on our podcast now. Just go to the app or you can go to the website and you click on the podcast. And there's a little comment section. You go ahead and comment whatever you want. You tell us just what a great job Tony and I are doing. Tony, isn't that the nicest thing they could do? I mean, it, it would be the nicest thing for sure. Yeah. Especially, like, we're about to get basketball back. Like, everyone should be in a good basketball mood, I would say. Obviously, we should be in a good basketball mood. Good um, basketball mood, yes. And believe me, I, I, I need basketball for a diversion of what's going on in real life. Yes, so. I, think, uh, I think we all do. Um, and we also, but at the same time, let me add this. Honestly, comment on this if you want. I don't care. I, uh, I don't, uh, it's not going to bother me if you're, if you're bothered by this. Uh, some people say keep this out of sports talk. No, I'm not going to do it. Uh, what's going on is terrible. Obviously, what happened with with George Floyd um, is is tragic. What's going on with Minneapolis is is really bad. Let's not ignore it by turning to basketball. Let's be cognizant of it. Let's talk about it honestly, um, and let's uh, I don't know do something to try to fix this stuff uh, because it's uh, it sucks. And eventually, we do need some basketball to give us a break from it. But we should not uh, we should not ignore it, Tony. Yeah, uh, I I agree completely. Um, you know, it's 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 something to me that, you know, this is something that we've dealt with as, as a people, and, and I'm talking about, uh, you know, I'm talking about African Americans. Something that we've dealt with as a people for so long, um, and you know, I think that this is something that I think needs to be fixed and. You know, it, it it's it's kind of surreal that you say, I don't know what the solution is because the solution is obvious. You know, stop killing people um, while in <laughs> Right. You would think custody. that's obvious. I mean, it, uh, it is obvious <laughs> for some reason. That's a very hard thing to stop doing, apparently. But for some reason, that's a, that's a very hard thing to stop. Stop doing. And, you know, obviously, you know, with, you know, the Amy Cooper incident with. You know, a lot of the incidents that that have happened this year. I mean, this is this has just been uh, a really difficult, a really difficult year. Um, yep. But you know, I think that we just have to keep keep moving on, keep attacking the problem, or tr- keep trying to attack the problem until it's no longer a problem, and hopefully, one day it can no longer be a problem. Absolutely. Um, let's get to some basketball talk. Uh, it it looks like we're coming back, right? We still. 
might be a week or two before that final decision is made. They're still trying to figure out how it's going to come back, what the logistics are. But there seem to be, you know, three scenarios that are that are picking up some steam. Uh, the group stage play, which would make it like a World Cup. Uh, miss me with that. I hate that idea. I know a lot of people love it. I just don't want to get cute with this stuff, Tony. I just don't. You know, if we, if we wouldn't do it in another year, I don't want to. I, uh, you know, I, I've talked to Amin Al Hassan about this a lot. Um, he's he feels the same way. Like it's just. There's part of me that's like, oh, that's interesting and fascinating. But part of me, the big part of me is just like, what? Why are we getting cute with this when we wouldn't do it any other year? Um, so it could be a group stage thing. It could be a play-in tournament way. Again, I don't love this idea. I know a lot of people, and I get the idea is like, if you're going to do it, now is the time to experiment. But at the same time, like, I, I understand that logic. I just want basketball to be the basketball it is. That's what that's what I want. And then obviously the other one is is just straight into top 16 or back. Maybe we'll reseed them, maybe not, but we're just going straight to the playoffs. Maybe a couple of exhibition warm-up games that that may count, may not, um but just go straight back into it. So Tony, what are you hearing from from the possibilities and what's going on? Well, I've been told the one thing that I've been told is that uh, we're not going to see any single game scenarios. No, so we're not going to have any March Madness scenarios. No one are out. No one and duns. No, nobody's going to be uh, dragged to Orlando uh, for a one and done scenario. So uh, we're all looking at multi multi game scenarios. Um, and you know the three most likely scenarios that I've been told uh, are a group, some sort of group play. Um, um, or some sort of play-in, likely featuring Western Conference teams, um, you know, and, and you know specifically Memphis, Sacramento, Portland, San Antonio, um, or straight to play, straight to playoffs. So those are probably, I mean, those are what I'm told are the, the three most likely scenarios. So we're getting a little bit of clarity of of you know what's what's coming what's coming down the pike and 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 what could be happening. So you know, with that being said, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on you know those three most likely scenarios and the scenario that you know obviously you know everybody's going to be guaranteed at least more than one game. Yeah, I mean, look, I I I get the. The tricky part of it, part of me is just like, look, the world's unfair right now, right? And so when people are like, that's not fair if you get this, but another team doesn't get that, you're right. It's not. I don't care. Like, I just, like, part of me is, is, the biggest part of me is, I think we should limit how many teams come back. Mm-hmm. Just from a health standpoint, right? And that's, and and look, I understand, like, the easiest stance to take on this is everyone's health matters first. It's true. But it's also the easiest stance to take, right? So it's not like, yeah, don't give me a medal for for being. I just hope everyone's safe when they come back. Everyone hopes everyone's safe when they come back. Like, like that's not a that's not a you know an earth shattering sentiment. But it is still the thing that like, all right. So how does how do we get the most safety out of this? Well, you don't bring back teams that don't need to come back, right? Right. So the idea right. of all thirty teams coming back, I think that's pretty much out. Even though, look, let's be honest, this is a money grab. Well, if, right? if if we're not. If if a regular season scenario, a full on regular season scenario is probably not on the table, then I can't see all thirty teams coming back. Right. I mean the the money grab aspect of it is one, you're getting your playoff money, but two, they still would love to get those extra five six regular season games in for all these teams to get them to their seventy 
broadcast mark, 70 game broadcast mark that gets them all their local TV money. Right. Well, one of the things that, that I was told with that is that, you know, we're not sure how many teams can get to that 70 game threshold because of how many national television. Exactly. Not not every national game is, is simulcasted on the local broadcast. Yeah. It it gets complicated there. Right. Right. Um, So it gets complicated there. Yeah, but trying to get as many of those back, I guess, right? Um, but that that's not going to happen. And so if it's a money grab, I get it. Um, but yeah, like, man, I just, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, yes, it sucks that Portland may not get a chance to keep charging back. It sucks that New Orleans is going to get a chance to keep charging back. Um, but also, like, it's just the, that's how it is. Right. Like if, if you want to if you if you want to be in this position and granted, no one for, you know, saw this coming in October, November, whatever. Uh, if you didn't want to be in this position, you could have won the games earlier in the season. And it's a very simplistic and almost, uh, I'd say, dickish way of looking at this. Right, Tony. But but that's kind of where I am with like if we're not if we're trying to make it as safe as possible and still get a return and still get our money grab then I prefer just the 16 teams going in. Get them some warm-up time on the court, give them a month of training camp, get them, you know, maybe three exhibition games each, and then and then we jump into the mix and we and we do whatever playoff scenario they have. Um a play-in tournament, so if no one's gonna be one and done, a play-in tournament I guess becomes double elimination. Is that how we're is that how we're yeah, doing at that point? That's 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 how it, that's how one of the ways that it, that that is possibly gonna work. Um it, there won't be a single elimination. Um, right. You know, and, and then in that case, I mean, you know, teams like Portland and Sacramento and San Antonio and New Orleans will get their chances. Um, you know, and I think one of the rationalizations uh, or one of the reasons why the league is, is, is looking at it this way is this, you know, if you look at Memphis schedule and you look at 538 uh, and you look at, you know, the number crunching, you know, Memphis had the most difficult schedule in the league uh, remaining. Um, and, you know, New Orleans and Portland, you know, and even San Antonio, those three teams all have relatively easy schedules remaining. So I think that, you know, the league is trying to figure out what is fair and what is not. And I think that the league realizes uh, that on some level that whatever decision that they make are going to be screwed somebody's going to be screwed, right? Because let's say if the league comes back, goes straight to the playoffs, goes to a 16 team format, then guess who gets screwed? The Los Angeles Clippers get screwed and the Milwaukee Bucks get screwed because both of those teams are going to be not only on the same side of the bracket with each other, but on the same side of the bracket with the Boston Celtics and the the Philadelphia 76ers while the Lakers are on on the other side of the bracket, which at this point will look significantly easier. So I think the league realizes that no matter what move they make, uh, somebody's probably not, somebody's not going to be happy. Uh, So they're trying to figure out what is the most uniformly happy, happy move that they can make for lack of a better term from myself. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, yeah, the Grizzlies may have fallen out of the, of the race, you know, (laughs) but they also may not have, they may have won those games. And I know they had injuries and everything, but like how many times we think a team's supposed to lose a game and they don't. Right. Like, I mean, this stuff is just, there's so much up in the air. Like I would trust me. I'd love to watch Dame and Zion and um, De'Aaron Fox. I'd love to watch all these guys in a playoff scenario. Like I'm in on that idea, but 
I'm also just not here to make it as gimmicky as possible. Like the idea of group stage, like, look, man, what this is, isn't what the World Cup. This is, what if you make it weighted? What if you? You know what? You so, know what? And then I want the I want the Grizzlies to start these games with a 15 point lead. No, you don't have to do that. Which, Why not? This is what you can do. You can do, you can do Sacramento, San Antonio, Portland, New Orleans. You guys whittle your way down. Uh, you play play a two game scenario. All four play each other. The winners play each other, and then the winner of that, the team that emerges from that, has to beat me Memphis three times to Memphis beating that team one time. Uh, man, but but here's the thing: is like I don't know that I but I don't know that math adds up, right? That's a way to get you to. That's a way to get you to 68, 69 games. That's a way to knock the rust off. That's a way to make it compelling in a playoff scenario. I think it's going to be compelling if we just get 16 teams back on the court and go play for the championship. That's, you know, like I think it's going to be compelling. Like I, that's also true. I I know I'm I know I'm sound like the the old man with the hates fun and everything, right? But I just like I'm I'm looking at this and I'm like, I get the allure of it. I get the interest of it. But isn't the G League where we're supposed to experiment with this stuff? But I, I, why 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 are we? But Tony, like real quick, like we're supposed to experiment with this stuff in the G League. I granted these are special circumstances, but as we get to the NBA part of it. Um, it's going to feel gimmicky. Like it's gonna like if if for whatever it, let's just say let's let's say that uh, that Portland wins the play in tournament, they do whatever they need to do, and and they get into the first round now, and now the and now they face the Lakers, and they actually for whatever reason they beat the Lakers, right? Right. If I'm the Lakers, now granted, I should have won that series against Portland, but I'm the Lakers. I'm like, wait, 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 why did they get to be in that? They wouldn't have right. been in if we just started straight to play. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, granted, and it's a lot of what ifs, and we're playing the what if game, but there's just so many things where I'm like, I get it, but it's gimmicky. I get it, but it's a circus. I get it, but this doesn't feel like the NBA to me anymore. And it doesn't mean just because this is how it is that this is always has it's how it has to be forever. Uh, I'm not trying to lock into that, but we went into the season saying if you're one of the 16 best teams in the in the league by the time the season's over, eight in each conference, like you get to be in the playoffs. Right. Changing that on the fly, even though it's obviously ridiculously special circumstances, there's something about that that just doesn't sit right to me. Right. I mean, where like what do you, what do you what do you think is best for the league and what do you think like you want to see and maybe those are the same thing but like for you what's best for the league and for you what is what's the thing you want to see the most you know i i, I think i'm a traditionalist in the sense that i like 16 teams eight teams from the west eight teams from the east um you know i i i think that that's i think that that's fair that's what we've always done uh, I think that that's where familiarity is, but I can completely see going as just 16 teams, regardless of conference this one time only just to give it a test run, just to give it a trial run because every team is because every team is in the same spot. Right. So I can see that. Um, I think for the fans, 
you know, the group play before um, before playoffs. I mean, it's 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 uh, it, it's it's something that brings in revenue for the league. Um, I think it's something that, you know, in this sense, if we're doing the Western Conference teams, um, can be fun because we're featuring, we'd be featuring John ja Morant, Damian Lillard, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, uh, Lonzo Ball, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Lamarcus Aldridge, and and, and um. Well, hold on, we're not throwing Lamarcus Aldridge in this mix. And nobody DeMar DeRozan. Nobody likes, nobody likes watching LaMarcus Aldridge play basketball. Oh, I like the way he shoots. No, 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 no. no. You don't jump like, shot is you a don't, thing of beauty. No, you don't like watching him play basketball. Tony, we're not doing this. The mid-range jump shot from him is a thing of beauty, and he's extended his range to three-point range. Has he? Yes. Hold on. We're going to fact check. Go look it up. He's at 35%. So he's below average? Is an average volume. like thirty six on volume? Hold on a second. Well, he's actually thirty eight percent this year. Hey, so he's above average. He's taking three a game. That's not extended. He's a coward. <laughs> Nobody so likes watching Lamar. No one likes watching Lamarcus Aldridge. So now you're saying he's Ben Simmons. He's not quite Ben Simmons. I mean, that's a real three point coward right there. I'm saying it's like. Uh, you know what? It's like when we say Anthony Davis extended his range. Did he though? He didn't really. <laughs> Anthony Davis is a, Anthony Davis is a bad three point shooter for uh, his career. He makes them when they count. Does he? I don't even think that's true. Uh, he's thirty. He's thirty three percent. That's not great. On three and a half a game. Get out that's one step up from Ricky Rubio. <laughs> no, come on, Ricky's not that bad. Ricky's around thirty three, thirty four percent. Hold on, hold on. Now we're just now we're just doing a game where Tony says a player's name and I look. Ricky Rubio is at thirty five point one percent. Thank you very much. That might be a career high, but it's it is a career high. No, 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 no. His first year in Utah, thirty five point two percent. Hey, so I covered the best of Ricky Rubio's three points. You did, you did. Uh, That's that's great. There you go. Um, but the bottom line is, I mean, we're, like we'll see a pool of stars um, that's compelling for the league, and yeah. whoever comes out of that, they they get to face LeBron. Congrats! Congrats! <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't know that a lot of these plans uh, pass the smell test for me. You know, it does pass the smell test. Hawthorne. Oh my goodness, Tony. Hawthorne smells really good and smelling good is important. Getting Hawthorne cologne could not be easier. You can get it for Father's Day. You can get it for just someone else. You take a little quiz. They ask you all these questions and you find out what's the best scent for you that they have. They've got so they've got basically hundreds, thousands of options that you can do based on all these combinations. You have a significant other, get them some products. And Tony, this is the stuff I like the best, all right? One, you got to look good during quarantine, don't you? You got to look good. You got to make sure your complexion's good. They've got a face cleanser that is fantastic. My face has never been cleaner. And then on top of that, Tony, we're washing our hands constantly during this COVID COVID-19 crisis, right? Like constantly. Constantly. You know what happens when you wash your hands all the time? They get cracked, get, they get dry. My hands are definitely cracked. Yeah. Well, they've got a hand cream from Hawthorne that you can get 
that is phenomenal. You'll never feel like you have cracked hands again. They'll never feel dry again. That's how good this hand cream is. So my you, hands yeah. will always forever be moist. You're going to you – oh, yeah, it's an uncomfortable word, but yes, that's how it is. You just take a quick two-minute quiz. Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you, one, one for work, one for play. It's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns on this. You do not want to miss it. By the way, check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E at the end and .co. We're not doing .com on this. It's Hawthorne.co. Use the promo code ATHLETIC. Promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. Use the promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne with an E dot C-O. Tony, you got to get it. It's the best. That sounds very pleasing to me. Oh, man, it's it's fantastic. Um, You know what else was pleasing for jazz fans? Basketball in 1998. How about that for a segue? Was it? Wasn't it? You made that well, yeah, finals. I mean, the regular, on, season, the regular season was pleasing and the playoffs were pleasing until the finals. Yeah, but all right. So you were the second best team in the league that year. That's good. They needed to be the best team. They had a championship team. Oh, don't choke against Michael Jordan, Carl Malone. Maybe don't leave the rock out there. Maybe look over your shoulder and know where the help is. Hey, listen, I had, I had a Twitter discussion on that. That wasn't Carl Malone's fault. That was John Stockton's fault. Yo, you got to know. Now, nah, hold on. It can be more than one person's fault. John- look at the video. Stockton did not. So, okay. So, I've watched the replay many uh, many times just to see okay. just to see what I'm talking about, okay? Jeff Hornacek goes and sets the cross the baseline cross the ring for Carl Malone. Okay? Yep. Hornacek has Michael Jordan with him, okay? Um Whoever's guarding, I think it's Ron Harper, but whoever's, or it's either Harper or Pippen, but whoever's guarding Stockton is putting on terrific ball pressure on Stockton on his live dribble. Okay. Stockton, because of the ball pressure, throws the entry pass about a hair too early. Okay. Does not give Jeff Hornacek the time to clear out from the, from the baseline cross screen that allows Michael Jordan to not clear out to where he will be in a position where it's a legal defense. Um, oh, they were calling a legal defense on Mike in the fourth quarter. Are you kidding me? If, if Hornacek had cleared all the way out to the weak side, to the weak side opposite wing, Michael Jordan would have had to clear out of the lane. Okay. Okay. Hornacek so then, so then Carl Malone chokes by missing a shot. Hornacek does not get a chance to clear out. Stockton enters throws the entry pass to Malone. Jordan's right there. Malone doesn't even doesn't even know that Jordan is there. And that's how I got to steal. How do you not feel that presence? I'm just saying. You're Carl Malone. I'm just saying. Stockton awesome. Stockton needed to hold the ball a beat for one more for one more dribble. I mean, you look at this too. Like, all right, Carl Malone averaged twenty five a game during that series, but like Stockton, step it up a little bit. Stockton wasn't great that series. Oh, Stockton was terrible in that series. Uh, Hornacek couldn't shoot in that series. He was terrible. And but, why, but Carl, Stockton, Carl Malone. And why does Stockton and Hornacek have such issues? Because they were because they were being guarded by Pippen and and, and Ron Harper. It was uh, Chicago's length defensively really uh, smothered smothered Stockton. And, and How are you Stockton. giving Carl Malone a pass for this? 
I'm not giving him a pass. I think he played well. I think he, he played up, well. Up until the fourth quarter. <laughs> up until that last minute. I think he was the best. I think he was the best player on the Jazz in that series. By he lay, they he laid, the, laid the ball out there like a cup of water for a marathon runner coming by. <laughs> so you're not giving Carl Malone a, a pass? No. Okay. Kidding me? He did miss the free throw in game two. Miss the free. I mean, come on, Tony. This guy choked all over that series. <laughs> I mean, sure he, had, he had, sure he had. Oh yeah, he choked. Sure he had seventy points over the last two games, but you leave that leave that ball out there. Okay, so if Stockton plays at seventy five percent of his ceiling instead of thirty five percent of his ceiling, what what happens to the series? Even with Malone's. Even even with Malone's uh, performance, maybe maybe it goes seven. But the the Bulls, the Bulls will always win the series. I'm of the opinion that if that series had gone seven, I think the Jazz would have blown the Bulls out because I don't know. I don't think the Bulls had anything left. I I no. think they were done. I think they were done physically if they did not get that series over in six. No, 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 no. I don't. I, I, you know, him, I will admit my statement. I don't think that they would have gotten blown out. I think it would have been a close game, but I think Utah would have won if that, that series had gone seven. I mean, as we see, winning I, a close it, game was kind of tough for him. Fresh team. No. I don't think, I mean, fresher team, yes, but we're talking like game seven adrenaline. What did Mike shoot in game six? It was like something. Something that it was like seventeen for forty or something like, like that. Or so. it's fifteen of thirty-five. Like okay, so he shoots. Mike shoots fifteen to thirty-five from the field. Scotty's back is finished. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the the, the you know obviously Mike was the headliner, but the savior of, of Game Six was Tony Kukoc because Kukoc played really really well in Game Six and he hit some really big shots. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, make, I think he. If he doesn't make shots, if Kukoc doesn't make shots in that game, the Bulls are not even in position to win that game, to steal that game. They stole game six. They stole game six? They stole game six. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Stockton hits the win that. three. You're up 86 83 with 45 seconds left, or how, however, however many seconds left, mm-hmm. right? The Jazz, the Jazz made so many mistakes down the stretch. They let Mike score within, you know, two or three See, seconds. I just don't. I don't think they. I don't think they. Yeah, I mean, he just drove right to the ten right. on that one. Like, just got straight to the cup. Um, I don't think. I don't think they stole it. I do think the Jazz just kind of choked it away. And I know, like, a lot of Jazz fans are very mad because didn't Howard Isley had a three pointer that was waved off. Yes, that should have counted and everything, but all, but so like Ron you can't Hunter just hit a, hit a two that should not have counted. Sure, but so all right, swing at five points, but you can't then say, see, they win eighty six, eighty two because basketball doesn't exist in a vacuum. Right, it doesn't work like that. Right, for sure. I, I I'm just listen. I think watching that series, I mean, first of all, the Jazz lost the series early in the series because they lost game two and they got smacked in game three. Um. You know, and that put them in a position where they had to win game four and they didn't win game four. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, being in position. Yeah, that, that's the thing, Tony. I don't think they're winning three straight games against the Bulls. Right. And that's, that's probably that. That's probably the best 
um, argument against what I just said, like it's next to impossible to beat Michael Jordan three times in a row. Uh, I got a, I got a feeling that the jazz fans listening to this jazz, jazz podcast don't like me saying they weren't going to win and Carl Malone choked. <laughs> but I mean, it was obvious in game six how physically spent the Bulls were. They were spent. They were done. They had nothing left. Like Mike had nothing left. Scottie Pippen had nothing left, you know? And, and I, I, I think that if you, you went to a game seven, um, especially on, on, you know, it's in Salt Lake city. Uh, I think the bulls would have had a, a real problems winning that game. Let me ask you this. This wasn't the 93 bulls where those guys were full of piss and energy, full of, full of piss and vinegar. You know, that, that was a, that was a dynasty that was on his last legs and say what you want about, you know, Jerry Krause and Ryan Storff breaking, breaking that, break, break up the dynasty after 98. But I mean, you know, I think, you know, obviously credit the bulls for, for winning in 97 and 98, but you know, and in large part, I mean, that, that dynasty was, was kind of breaking down and it was breaking down with Scotty Pippen. Scotty's body was breaking down. He wasn't the same player. I mean, just looking at the series in 97, the series in 98, the Jazz just kept losing these close games. Yeah. Yep. Carl Malone went 7-15 to 15 in Game 6 in 1997 from the free throw line? Goodness. That's a problem. Yeah. Um, so do you think that – because I actually think like – I know they went down 0-2 in, in 90, 97, but like I actually think that was probably the better time to take down these Bulls. Although, Well, I mean, you make a great point about Scotty's back. Scotty's back was really bad. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't move by the end yeah. of the series. So and that, that wasn't was, going to get better. He was plus 16 in that game six, by the way, in 25 minutes. Because he was still so good defensively. And yeah, because he's still locked in defensively. He, he was so locked in defensively, and he was guarding, he was guarding, you know, Hornacek, and he was guarding Stockton. And, you know, those are just physical mismatches for Hornacek and Stockton. Uh, who, do you, who do you think is the most unheralded um, player? Who should get more credit for those, those series for the Jazz? Um... <sighs> That's a good question, um, because I want to say Antoine Carr because I thought he had some really really big moments. Yeah. Um, I thought that I thought that he wasn't intimidated by the Bulls, like and he just went right at him. Um, and I thought that his energy was infectious. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say Carr. Yeah, I like I like that answer. Yeah, he probably should have gotten more run. Probably should have gotten more run, and yeah, you know who else I think should have probably should have gotten more run was Chris Morris. Oh yeah, Chris Morris can hoop. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I, I think that looking back on that series, I think Morris and Shannon Anderson probably should have played more. Yeah, Shannon was a nice young player then. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna say Antoine Carr. I love Big Dog, man. He was he could play. I mean, you know his his stats weren't gaudy, but he had a level of physicality in that series, and a level of of, of I don't give a shit in that series that really yeah. helped the Jazz. Yeah, and he's just like he was like, he's just such a smart scorer. Yeah, 
He was such a veteran at that point. Yeah, that's a good call. And then um, we're going to end on a, a sad, but we'll try to make it an uplifting note. Obviously, Jerry, Jerry Sloan passed away um, over the past week. And uh, you know, Tony wrote a phenomenal story on Coach Sloan. If you haven't read that on The Athletic, you got to – you got to check that out. Um, Tony, obviously you spent a lot more time in Utah than I have. Uh, I was only there for, for a couple of seasons and I never, I never really got to interact with, with coach Sloan um, all that much as a couple instances, instances. But what I was always blown away by was uh, just the reverence everyone had who came into town. Like I still remember, uh, you know, I remember Greg Popovich, you know, walking away from a from a scrum which was not you know a crazy thing for greg popovich to do but i remember him walking away from a scrum one time because coach sloan was walking by he just had to go say hello i i saw stan van gundy do similar things and then when they came back just there the way they talked about him was was like you were talking to you're talking about you know a father figure a mentor uh you know just a, a phenomenal phenomenal figure in your field someone you revered and look up to and and that's the that's the thing i've just always taken away is it's one thing to know oh yeah that guy was a good player that guy was a you know a hard-nosed player that guy was a great coach like you know one thousand wins with the jazz everything right fourth most wins of all time it's one thing to know all of that but it's another thing to see people interact with him and just be in awe of his presence yeah that's that's big facts and and the thing that, that I really admired about Coach Sloan was that he treated people nice that he didn't have to treat nicely. And I think that me and you both know how how wonderful a character trait that is because we deal yeah. with with guys that don't have to treat us nicely and, and you know, a lot of the guys don't, right? Right. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, I think that that that's um, I I think that that was just a really a wonderful character trait for him and you know I remember being a young reporter you know doing my first Jerry Sloan um, availability and and you know I, I was like I was like Eminem and lose yourself you know palms were sweaty <laughs> you know I was. <laughs> Throwing up in the bathroom. You know what I mean? I was, it was just like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I stammered through my first question. And, and you know, he was just he was just great with it. You know, so, you know, he was a great coach. He was demanding. He was um, he was tough. Um, you know, if you mess with him, he would want to fight you. Uh, if you mess with one of his players, he'd want to fight you. Um, but you know, he was, he was a guy with a big heart, uh, underneath the tough exterior. And now I'll, I'll always admire that. And on a personal level, not just a professional level on a personal level, I'm really going to miss him. Yeah. Just someone who, you know, made everyone else light up around him. And that's like, it, that it sounds like a cliche, but like you and I both know, even in this business, like that's rare. It's rare. You see that kind of reaction from people like this is a this is a league of people you know having their feelings hurt all the time and being petty and uh not liking someone because they beat them and stuff or got this job or whatever and like they just there was never any of that around around coach sloan yeah his presence was just like it was just it was beyond that and above that in every way yeah i mean he was just you know he he was just a legendary figure i mean his 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 legacy to the state of utah um you know it's you know it's it's something that you know 
doesn't need to be ever need to be discussed. And uh, I really hope that, you know, there's a, 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 there's a street named after him. I hope that, you know, there's a statue uh, erected in his honor. Um, you know, he deserves everything. Um, he deserves every good thing that, that comes his way uh, posthumously, obviously. Uh, absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, let's end the show there uh, again. Uh, rest in peace to coach Sloan and, and thoughts and prayers with his family and everyone uh, affected by that. Um, everyone stay safe. Everyone wash your hands. Uh, you know, stay inside if you can. Uh, don't don't go spreading this disease around because you don't even know if you have it, right? So you gotta, everyone's gotta be gotta be careful, Tony. Uh, subscribe to the Athletic. Comment on the podcast. Let us know what a great job we're doing. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or you know wherever you wherever you listen to podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this right now, just make sure you subscribe and you're showing some love to the podcast because uh, you know it, it doesn't affect me. I'm Team Dead Inside, but Tony really likes the nice sentiments. <laughs>